Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. On Tuesday, I was um, prompted by God to, to go for a, uh, a walk in the bush. And uh, for those that I've shared um, my spot that I go and just, uh, I, I call it chill out with God, um, it's up near my house uh, and uh, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and I find it phenomenal uh, some of the things that God takes me into if I'm actually obedient in that. And on Tuesday, I was able to go and be obedient in that. But as I'm walking up to the normal place that I'm going to, I felt God turn around to me and say, I don't want you to go to that point. I want you to go beyond. I'm like, where are you taking me? So I, I went to my normal point, and this is it. Uh, as you can see up here, uh, it's kind of see up here, <laughs> but uh, as you can see, it, it, it is, it's got a beautiful view of it and it's, it's within the bush and it's within nature and like hardly anybody goes up there when you're there. And, and some of my big God moments have been in this place. Being able to sit there and go, what is, what is God doing? Not only in my life, but what is God directing me in different ways? But when I got up there, he turned around and he goes, I want you to go beyond. I don't want you to go to the tops. I want you to go to the valley. So I went down. I went down in the valley. I walked down, but one of the things that was happening for me when that was going on, one of the things that were happening for me was that I'm not a really fearful person. I've done a fair few things where you sit there and, and you go, a fearful person would sit there and not do it, like bundy jump and uh, jump off things and things like that. I've, I've done those things because I'm kind of a, a little bit of a thrill seeker. But as I'm walking down, and it's not a big gradient, it wasn't, it wasn't big at all, but as I'm walking down, I started welling up with fear and anxiety and I'm sitting there going, what's going on here? I started looking around going, is there a snake going to come out? And I'm not afraid of snakes, but is a snake going to come out and bite me? Is, is there going to be a spiders or is there going to be something? And I'm like, I had to stop for a minute and go, what's happening here? And then I look back to what the invitation that God said to me. He said, come down into the valley. And I said, what does this mean, coming down into the valley? I'm, I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to put together what you're wanting to say to your children on Sunday. But what is this valley? You keep on saying, come down into this valley. So as I'm going down into the valley, he goes, this is, it's, it's going to be personal, but it's going to be personal for everyone. Depending on their circumstances. So as I went down, everything started working out. And then I found this bush trail that actually started, um, being a little bit more, uh, open up so I wasn't as fr- afraid anymore because I acknowledged that and everything like that. As I've gone down, I was like, okay, so where are you taking me? You're taking me down to this valley. And I stumbled across, so there's, there's the two pictures put together, but I stumbled across this. And as I stumbled across it, it actually looked really, really bad. It looked like that the, the waves, or the, the, the trees were pushed over by, um, by, uh, the water and the wind and that ground on your, left-hand side, was very, very unstable. The foundation was that unstable that as soon as I stood on it, I actually went through uh, down to my ankle. And I'm sitting there going, what are you trying to say to me here, God? So I stood there for a while. 
I'm just having a look. And I don't know whether you actually notice what that is, where, where it is at the moment. And for those people that have grown up around Penrith, that's actually in the Pean River on the other side near uh, Emu Heights. So as I've gone down where I go from, where that overlooks, just to get a gradient where that is, directly across the river where I was standing is the regatta area. Um, that's how far it goes down and goes to the back of where Emu Heights is. And I actually had to check that up on my GPS to sit there and go, where, where am I? Like I've, I've been living there for five years and I haven't actually gone to this place. I've gone to the top so many times, but I haven't actually gone down to the bottom here. So as I'm walking through, this is what come up. And it reminded me of in the valley, we tend to sit there and go, there's a lot of death and destruction. And we try try to individually avoid the valley, yeah, in different ways, shapes, and forms. So then I I walk back, and this picture that I'm showing you now, as I'm walking back, I'm taking my gradient back as I'm sitting there going, what are you trying to show me? This isn't isn't uplifting me. This isn't giving me a message that that I'm sitting there going, I'm I'm taking that next step uh, beyond. And then there was this little concave that looked like I, I could go down, and I started walking down. And as I've walked down, this opened up. And I don't, the picture does not do it justice whatsoever. As I've walked down, I've walked into this and it's just opened up to this absolutely beautiful scenery with flowing water where water doesn't normally flow. Flowing water and beautiful lush green areas, birds just flying around everywhere and it was absolutely beautiful. And I had to remind myself, I'm actually in the valley. But yet, normally we see humanly that death and destruction. So I'm sitting there going, what are you trying to tell me? So you see that little river? It's not that big. Uh, actually, if, if, I were, if I was able to do it, I could run and jump over it. But I didn't want to get my feet wet. And this was the journey that God was taking me on. I didn't want to get my feet wet in that sense. So I was trying to find rocks to be able to jump over into the, uh, to the other side. And I'm trying to find out what God is trying to invite me into here. And the rocks that I'm trying to step over, they had moss on it, so they're really slippery and it was really unsafe. And I actually, and this is me being vulnerable here, I actually started getting frustrated at God. I'm like, what are you trying to say to me, God? I'm trying to get across, but I can't get across. Normally you would pay the path for me, but what are you trying to say to me here? Nothing. And I was sitting there going, what do you want? And he just goes, come across to the other side. Just come across. So I finally made my way across. As I'm walking through the steps, I'm trying, struggling and struggling and struggling and get across. And as I get across, this sense of peace just come across. And he goes, and I felt this real sense of God turning around going, thank you for being obedient. Now I can show you. As that left hand one, if I could zoom in, but I can't zoom in. Right at the back of it, I'm saying, what are you trying to show me? And as you look through there, it looks absolutely beautiful. As you look through there, there's all this water that's rolling through. There's all these stepping stones that you can clearly step onto to be able to get from one side to the other. But right at the back there, and I can't zoom in, but right at the back there, there is a big mass of rocks that look like it blocks off what's yet to come. And I felt God turn around and go, look, that goes around the corner. You don't know what's beyond those rocks, but I'm inviting you to come with me. You don't need to do this alone. He took me back to Psalm 23. And he goes, yes, people stop when they go, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They stop there. And they tend to forget when they're in the muck, that next bit. 
my rod and staff will guide you. And I'm starting to well up and I'm starting to sit there and go, all right, God, I'm starting to get what you're trying to say here. But is there anything else? And then he turned around and he goes, look up. So that's just a bit more. He goes, look up. Now, on the left-hand side, and I, I actually broke down a little bit here, on the left-hand side, if I could zoom in again, you could see through the trees, just that uh, cliff edge, that's where I normally go. That's where I normally sit. And when I look down, all I can see is treetops. I can't see the beauty that's actually in the valley. I can't see what God is trying to to make me learn. And he turns around and he goes, most of the time we try to always strive for the best in our lives, but yet the formation, the transformation, and where you actually start learning things and changing in your life is in the valley. So come into the valley with me. Let me guide you through the love that I've already given you. Let me guide you. And I'll show you miraculous things. I turned to the right because I was like, okay, what's happening? So I took another photo. And he goes, a lot of the times when people are in the valley, they feel like they can't get the light shining through. But yet there is always light shining into the valley. doesn't matter how dark and doomy it might be. There is always light. You just got to try to find it. That light is guiding you out in some way, shape or form, giving you light in your darkness doesn't matter where your darkness is. So that's a little bit of a journey that I had um, and it kind of highlighted a lot of things in, in my life because it was I was sitting there going, I've been through many valleys, but yet I don't normally understand it until I'm out of the valley. But God's actually asking us to be able to sit and persevere and learn and transform through love in the valley, as hard as it seems. So God is love, and we are reminded that in First John 4.8. So during this talk, I'm going to be flicking between loving others and actually receiving the love that God has already shown us by sending his son, the physical element of what he went through. So today, this is what I, I said, that it was a little bit miraculous that we're going through this. This, this topic was already in plan. And then today, after everything that's been handed down because of the uh, coronavirus and things like that, these was the verse that I was working with. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. How good is God? He already pre-planned that today I was going to be speaking on this. So let's go on. Let's see what happens. Let's see what, what God is going to drag up here. Love never gives up. In the Aramaic, it actually says this. Love is a safe place of shelter. Different twist on it, different way. But I wanted to share that with you because it leads me into my next bit. So love never gives up. Love is a safe place of shelter. Or love bears all things. Although commonly understood to mean that love can bear hardships of any kind, the normalized form of the verb stigo, which is Greek, is actually the word for roof. 
It comes under the stabilization, the stego comes under the word, is actually the word for roof. And the same meaning in the original text is found in Mark 2, chapter 4. And for those that know this story and know the surroundings of this, they would know how pivotal this is. But for me to be drawn to this this verse is actually opens up a can of worms, not only for me, but to actually realize what love is. So love never gives up. There's these four guys that had a paralyzed friend on a mat and they heard that Jesus was in this room. They heard that there was a crowd gathering and they all they wanted to do was get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. So they turned up and we meet that here. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd that was surrounding the, the building. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat with all of his faults, with everything going on, right down in front of Jesus. Now there is a ver- there is a sermon in that by itself. So again, if I start going off like I normally do, just pull me up because I want to stay on track with what God's laid on my heart. So to bring this uh, this verse into context, there are two things that I want to highlight in this verse alone. Firstly, this would have not been an easy feat for the friends of this paralyzed man. They would have had to battle the crowd that they had, that had gathered around the house just to get a glimpse of Jesus. You can imagine how many people would have been there. Then they decided to go up to the top of the roof. Now, houses back in the uh, times of the Bible were made out of stone. They had flat roofs with a staircase up the outside that led to the roof. And the roofs are made out of uh, a mixture of mud and straw together. So not, an easy, not, not, a, not a hard feat to actually uh, do what they're actually doing, but to make that decision to actually break and enter where Jesus is in a whole crowd, that's absolutely phenomenal. So they would have gone up the outside of the stairways and then they had, would have had to practically break in to fulfill the only thing that they were there to do. And that was to get their friend to Jesus. We as Christians, their ultimate show of love is to image what Jesus did and sacrifice our own wants and desires to be able to get our friend, our family, to the ultimate show of love, Jesus. Secondly, how much love did they have for their friend to do that in the first place? How much faith must have they had in Jesus to make getting the paralyzed man in the presence their priority? The key word there was that it was their priority. They weren't going to let the crowd deter them. They weren't going to let the, the, the task of getting up to the roof, ripping the roof open and lowering him down deter them from showing the love that they had for this man, their friend. Paul is saying that love covers all things like a roof covers a house. Love does not focus on what is wrong but will bear with the shortcomings of others. And like the roof protects and shields, you could say that love springs no leaks. It is a safe place that offers shelter, not exposure. In First Peter 4.8, it says it perfectly. 
above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another. For love will be the canopy over a multitude of sin. The Greek verb for echo, I'll leave that up so that you can reread it. The Greek word for echo can also mean to maintain, to possess, to keep, or to be so closely joined to something that you become its echo. In this case, we are joining ourselves so closely to God's love that we begin to echo his forgiving, fervent love toward one another. doesn't matter the circumstance. Still with me? Good work. Love never loses faith. Or in another, in the Aramaic, it says, love never stops believing the best for others. Just a different twist on it. In Hebrews 11.1, it says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now this verse is talking about faith in God. But I'm actually pleading for you to sit there and go, we need to have faith in love. God is love and that love for others. Yeah, We may not see it. So the beginning point of faith is believing in God's character and who he says he is. The end point is believing in God's promise. He will do what he says he will do. I'll repeat that again. The beginning point of faith is believing in God's character. He is who he says that he is. The end point in believing in God's promise, that he will do what he says that he will do. When we believe that God will fulfill his promises, even though we don't see them, these promises materialize straight away, then... And only then is when we show true faith. Just as it was demonstrated through one of the disciples named Thomas. After Jesus, uh, uh, it was demonstrated through the, the, one of the disciples named Thomas after Jesus' resurrection and before his ascension. We pick up the verse. This is when the disciples had seen Jesus after his resurrection. He comes to Thomas because Thomas wasn't actually there. The, the disciples turn around and go, we have seen the Lord. And instead of starting to get excited, Thomas turns around with a natural human reaction. And this was his response. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. I'll leave that up there for a second. That's in John 20 to 25. What I want to highlight here is Jesus' response. It's like in the coming days, Jesus appeared before his disciples and one of the first things that he did was go up to Thomas. Even without Thomas saying this directly to Jesus because he knows our hearts, he sees the love that we have and this points out Exactly what I'm saying here is that love never loses faith. We need to have faith without actually touching something. And this was Jesus' response. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. 
Don't be faithless anymore or any longer. Believe. That is true faith. And that is Jesus turning around to one of his disciples that actually journeyed with him personally. And he understands how hard it is for us in 2020 to be able to sit there and go, how can, it's really hard to have faith in something that we don't see. So how does this relate to love? First of all, you can't completely understand love without understanding what faith is. That's the first thing. But there's two questions that I want to ask you. And I want you to earnestly ask them of yourself but actually get the answer from God, nobody else. What if you showed love to someone or a group of people but never saw that love in return? How would that make you feel? The second question is, what if you showed love to someone that didn't deserve it, hoping that that person would change and realize their fault? They may have wronged you in some way. How would that make you feel? That is having faith in love and not just the person. A selfless act of love. In Proverbs 10, 12, it says this, Love draws a veil over every insult and finds a way to make sin disappear. Love is very, very powerful. And I want to highlight the same verse that I shared just as I started doing this, which was Hebrews 11.1, 1, but in a different translation. Listen to these words. Hold on to these words. The reason why I wanted to share this is because of the words that it says and the translation that it does. It says, now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. How good are those words? Faith is the foundation to acquire the things that we may not hear, may not see, and may not feel. It goes on and says this, it is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. That explains love through faith, if nothing else doesn't. Next one. Love is always hopeful. And in the Aramaic, love never takes failure as defeat. Different spin on it, but love is always hopeful. In Romans 8, 24 to 25, it says this, If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently. And confidently. That sums up what hopeful is. In another, in another translation, it says this, but hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. If we are expressing or showing or giving love to people that don't necessarily give it back to us, we need to have faith not in the person, but in the love that is originally shown. God gives us that direction, that commandment to love people. So he's not going to get us to travel that valley of unloved by ourselves. Yeah? Goes on and says this. 
For why would we need to hope for something we already have? So because our hope is set in what is yet to be seen, we wait patiently. Uh, We patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. Again, talking about the gift that God is going to be doing. Everlasting love. But I think that God is love, so it translates so much well, so well in that. Rather than waiting like impatient children as we wait for God's will to unfold, that also correlates with our vision for 2020 and beyond. God, your will, not ours, to be done. More of you and less of us in our everything. So we don't want to wait impatiently for God's will to unfold. We need to have complete confidence in God's perfect timing and wisdom in every situation. Even though sometimes it's really hard to love people in a real crisis. Just like it is with loving others, just because we may be in a place where we feel like we have failed in loving right or we are down for the count because we have tried everything in a relationship, whether it be a romantic relationship or whether it be a friendship relationship or whether it be just showing love to somebody and we feel like we've done everything to show them love and they're still not responding and just feel spent doesn't mean that we are defeated and we should just give up. I'm not saying to be a walkover and I'm definitely not saying to jeopardise the safety of our hearts in the process, but what? But we can always be hopeful in the person we are trying to love because that's what Jesus did. We are not responsible for how they receive it, just how we give it. That takes a lot of pressure off that. We are not responsible for how the other person receives it. We are just responsible of how we give it. Lastly, love endures through every circumstance. In the Aramaic, love never gives up. What is endurance? Well, endurance is the ability to endure an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. Interesting, yeah? The capacity of something to last or to withstand wear and tear is another is another meaning of endurance. Now we put that in the, the context of loving and enduring through every circumstance. I want you to remember back just for a second is that there may have been a time where you may have been trying to show love to somebody and you feel like just giving up because it's like bashing your head up against the wall. But to step past that wall and go, all right, God, I'm not doing this on my own strength. In Colossians 1.11, it says this. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Again, in the tough times, God is not asking us to rely and just endure by ourselves. He is saying, I give you that glorious power, the glorious power from me within you to be able to endure and show love where love is needed. Romans 15, 
It says the scriptures in part, and this is very pivotal. If you have, um, if you are taking notes, this is a verse that I would absolutely love for you to maybe look up later on and just manifest on. And that is the scriptures in part. This is Romans fifteen four to five. It says scriptures in part to us encouragement and inspiration, so that we can live in hope and endure all things. It then goes on and says this. Now may God, the source of great endurance and comfort, grace you with unity among yourselves, which flows from your relationship with Jesus, the Anointed One. For us to love right, we need to love Jesus first because Jesus already loved us. For us to be able to love 1 Corinthians 13 style, we need to be able to receive the love that Jesus already expressed to us, that God's shown by sending his only son for us to actually be able to give love appropriately. In James 1.4 it says this, so let it grow, that endurance, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. As I shared just earlier in this talk, is that I went through a moment on um, on Tuesday, actually getting frustrated at God going, I'm, I'm following you. I've stepped out. I've actually listened to you and I've stepped down this hill. What are you trying to say to me? And I started getting frustrated. That is not showing love in that. But I'm able to admit that. And it was just amazing. Yeah, not yesterday, day before. I was able to have another really awesome moment and it was with my son. And I was mowing the lawn and Oliver, five years of old, age, turns around and goes, can I mow the lawn? And I'm like, you're five years old. I don't know whether you can even push the lawn mower, let alone get it right. And I don't know if anybody knows me. When I mow the lawn, I like to actually have it mowed properly. And I had to sit there and patiently endure my son with this massive smile on his face. Mowing the lawn, was it done perfectly or was it done right? No. Was it done to my standard? No, it wasn't. But what he got out of that was far greater than what I could actually do to that lawn. And just in that little glimpse of me actually giving him the mower or giving him the ability to be able to speak into somebody's life, if I change it around to that, We may not get it perfect, but if we are learning that endurance and we are sitting in what God is already showing us, which is love, then we're not going to get it wrong. Our our mission statement here at Pen of Church of Christ is love God. Love people. And it's not an unfortunate thing, but the thing that I want to highlight here is the back end of that, because this is the two most important commandments that Jesus turns around and says. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And the second one is just as important as the first. Love your neighbor. And this is where we tend to drop it off as yourself. It is nearly impossible 
to know how to love somebody if you don't know how to receive and love yourself first. Because how are you supposed to model love if you don't know what love is? So my call and plea to you this morning, even if it is the first time you've done it or you've done it before, is to actually just sit in God's love, receive that, and then he'll direct you where to give it, how to give it, and how to endure. So love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I'm going to get the worship band to come up and join me. I just want to reiterate this last bit. This means to truly know what love is, you need to know first how to receive it and then how to give it. But the hardest of all is that you need to love yourself first. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for placing this series of exploring real love on the hearts of us here at Penrith. I thank you that we've been able to go on a journey and and take that invitation of knowing who you are and knowing that you are the source of love. You are the source of everything that makes what love is up. So, Lord, I pray that we are prompted to look to you, to learn what real love is, to experience what real love is, and then to be able to give real love. I pray for the coming days, the coming weeks, the coming months. Lord, whatever is going to go on in this world, which is the unknown, I pray that we can look to you and feel your love no matter what the circumstances is. That real love that you have shown by sending your one and only son. Let us not be like Thomas. Let us have faith in your love in this time. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.